Om Mi Wei. And today we have a very special guest on the Spiritual Trady podcast. It's actually the person who was supposed to be the very first guest on the Spiritual Trady podcast. But we did a podcast and then the microphones didn't work and it recorded something that sounded very crusty. So now I'd like to welcome Amelia Rose Donnelly to the podcast. So Say, what number am I now, Dan? Are you not, um, you're probably 28. Yeah. So, if I was 27, that would have actually been a really good number. Well, you actually are 27, but I did a podcast of me talking crap about people's Instagram stories before you came, and that was 27. So I can get rid of that and make you actually 27. <laughs> oh, you're so, so funny. So you're Amelia Rose Donnelly, yes. and you, are, you teach little people. I do. I am a primary school teacher. A primary school teacher. Do I need to sit um, closer? Can you, you can move the mic a little bit closer if that would be better. You can sit back and move the mic closer. Ooh. Just go past the computer. That's fine. It doesn't matter. Okay? It's strong, yeah. Okay. Um, Is how's that better? That? That's that much better. Really good. Yeah, good. Yes. So sit back here and relax. You teach the little people. Yes. You're a first grade teacher. Is that correct? So I have, this is my seventh year of teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, originally I taught grade three and then I went to move schools and I've been teaching. Uh, I taught, I job shared. So I taught grade five, grade four and grade one. And that was really intense. But mm-hmm. I loved it. Yes. Then I always been teaching grade one for four years. Which I absolutely loved and now I'm teaching grade two. Grade two. So is it fair to say that you've been at school for your entire life? <laughs> yeah, you know what? I am that kid who doesn't grow up, so I definitely classify myself as a big kid. Yes, So, yes. You, but you went to school and then you left school, went to like... Uni. To tra- yeah, uni to train to become a teacher and then went to school to teach kids. And then went back to school to teach kids. Yes. Yeah. So you've never left school. Well, we are on Earth School, aren't we? We We're are all on Earth, Earth School. school. Yes. We are all learning. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are. That is true. Uh, and now you're teaching as well. And the best way to learn is to teach, they say. The best way to learn is to teach. Yes, because your little people are your reflections. My little beings. Yeah. I have uh, 20, 28-year-olds at the moment mm. and teaching has to be one of the most rewarding professions. Yeah. Uh, when you inspire a child to learn how to sound out a word or give them confidence to read a book or express take from their action. Heart, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Or to learn how to, we had the um, three finger rule in, in terms of resolving conflict. Okay. Yes. So it's stop, uh, you know, if there is an issue, the problem arising, we say to the kid, three finger rule, stop it. I don't like it. You're hurting my feelings. Yes. I want you to treat me with respect. Cool. So basically, instead of the kids getting into an argument and name calling the other person, we say, no, no, be assertive but kind. So stop it and you describe how you feel. I don't like it. Well, why? Because you're hurting my feelings. Yes. And then what do you want? I want you to treat me with respect or I want you to treat me with kindness. And it's one of the most, uh, it's very poignant when you actually see kids learning how to articulate and say these strategies to each other mm. and actually think, oh, I didn't have to yell or, oh, I can actually manage conflict and be mm. okay with that. Give them the tools to manage Give the conflict. To, yeah, big I time. I might try these out on the work site, I think. <laughs> the three-finger the three rules. Three-finger rule. But the thing is yeah. you've got to be visual. Yes. And you really have to get your, hand, your palm up and it's quite stop. I will. <laughs> oh, it's going to happen. Hey. I, I might do some Insta story about it. 
<laughs> just me to the boss. Stop. I, you're really hurting my feelings. Um, I want you to respect me. Um, shovel it yourself, you bastard. <laughs> uh, maybe no name calling in there, Dan. Okay, just sorry. That one. All right, I'll have to yep. auto-correct that later. So um, you became a teacher. Yes. Um, you, and also you're a very beautiful spiritual being. Thank you. So let's get into a little bit of when that kicked off. How did you get into spirituality and what was How the get, um... start of that business? Going way back? Yeah, way back in my childhood. Probably my my first sort of spiritual, I guess you could say, visions mm-hmm. started to occur when I was about three. Cool. And I was one day just lying in my bed in my room and just all of a sudden I just wasn't in my body anymore. And I was mm-hmm. just sort of aware that I wasn't my body and I was sort of moving around the room and just thinking, what is this going on? And I'm like, whoa, Okay. Um, and then my grandma actually was my first real spiritual mentor. She used to do a practice, what's known as automatic writing, which is what we might refer to as channeling, where Nan would hold a problem in her mind. It could be, um, you know, uh, I've got some issues with money or I'm having um, a conflict with a family member. You know, what do I do? And you basically hold this problem in your mind and you have a pen and paper and you basically just also hold it in your heart. So what is it you want? You want clarity or you want release or you want forgiveness. And then what happens is uh, you open up yourself to allow spirit to enter and you actually write down the answer. Mm-hmm. And I can remember seeing my nan do this on quite a few occasions and looking at her thinking, what is this? Yes. What is this and magic? And she used to always talk to say to me, oh, I'm communicating with great spirit or mm. um, she always referred to it as great spirit or the spirit. And from a very young age, I became quite fascinated by this spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, so who was this person that did this? My grandma. And who was she in relation to your parents? My mum's mum. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she passed away at 98. Mm-hmm. Last year, and that was actually a really profound moment for me because, uh, at ninety eight last at year, at ninety eight, yeah, I thought you meant 98. in ninety eight, no, like no, she was at age ninety eight. Okay, sorry, gotcha. Um, and it was really beautiful because I was able to be by her side for the last three days oh. and help use Reiki to help make Nan really comfortable. Hmm. Um, at that point, she couldn't really talk much, and she was on morphine. She was in a fair bit of pain. But I basically just sat there for three days and just had hands on and her and I just looked at each other and it was such an intimate knowing of just Mm. I can see where you are, but it's okay. Mm. Um, My nan did have a lot of fear about death, a lot of fear about dying, Mm. and she really loved her family and there was a lot of resistance around her leaving. Mm -hmm. Um, You could say universe orchestrated it in the sense that she had a number of falls yeah. because her iron will and her resolve to be close to family was so strong, uh, her mind was fighting till the end. So you mm. could say uh, it, if it, it was Nan, Nan's inspiring that spiritual sort of love in me when I was a little girl for me to then be there for her mm. in her transition and um, – she she really used the energy and she relaxed 
and she became a lot more peaceful and, um, yeah, you know, dying is one of the – when you're with someone witnessing dying, it's uh, an extremely beautiful process to go through. Mm. And it's something I've definitely thought about doing further down the track. Yeah. Uh, because seeing Nan in the nursing home and seeing other people dying and I'm thinking, are these people dying with their loved ones around them? Mm. Or are they dying in peace? Mm. Or are they dying fearful? Or are they dying feeling really scared? Yeah. Uh, so that's definitely something I've taken a mental note and and whether I'd, I'd go do more volunteering um, and help, you know, mm. it's definitely possible. Cool. And so you saw her automatic writing as a youngster and mm. that obviously opened you up to the possibility of or the awareness of um, the, the big spirit or Correct. other energies. Yes. And then at uh, what point did you start doing practices or getting into reading about stuff or what, what yep. sort of what went happened? Uh, so there's been a couple of really defining moments in my life. Um, my brother was hit by a car and killed when I was 17. Mm-hmm. And a week before that incident occurred, I had a dream that there was a death in the family. And I can remember having this really vivid, it felt like a premonition and I'll just wake up in the middle of the night crying thinking there's going to be death in the family and mum and dad are like, Amelia, what are you talking about? Um, and I'm like, no, 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 there's going to be death in the family. And they're like, what are you talking about? And sure enough, a week later, that's what happened. Um, and then I, I'd have to say losing James or James's death was a really big catalyst for me to try and figure out what this life is all about, what this this beingness is all about and the fact that I'd had a very clear vision a week before his departure made me realise that there's a greater plan here. Mm. And uh, my auntie, who's in America on the morning that that James died, she said that she had a dream that um, there was a death in the family and my cousin's boyfriend, who was Italian, who had never actually met James, woke up on that same morning with a dream of there being a road accident. Mm. And I just started to become aware of this connection. Yeah. And started to think, whoa, what's going on here? Mm. Uh, I guess Jung uh, referred to it as the universal subconscious, which we're all a part of, that we Mm -hmm. can all tap into at certain points. Um, And then I guess, you know, through my suffering and grief of losing James, um, I went down the path of substance abuse and being pretty reckless, yeah. um, really hated myself, to be honest. Mm. Uh, As a way to avoid feeling the, the, full, the full brunt of the pain? Correct. Yep. Yeah. Because you, you would, spoke about... You could say pain management. Yeah. Mm. 100% or, Dan. Yeah. Yep. Call it what it is. And I was depressed and I didn't know what to do. And at the time when you finish year 12, um, I had no idea, you know, I'd always expected that I was... James is going to be a part of my life and mm-hmm. you have these ideas of what your life is going to look like, mm-hmm. but other things happen. Yeah. And you know, there's a saying, what is it? Life happens. Yeah. Life is what happens you when you're making, making other plans. Other plans. Yeah, and yeah. that's so true. Mm. Um, and then, so to get myself out of. Just before you go from there, obviously yeah. um, you've a very tight family unit. Yes. Um what was your experience? Obviously, you, losing a child is one of the most painful things a parent could go through. Yep. Um, obviously, it would have been tough for you trying to be there to support your parents as well Very as much. not being able to support yourself. Correct. You know? Yeah, yeah so. and I could, I would very symbolically represent that um, 
when the police came and it was literally like a movie. Mm. Uh, nine o'clock on a Sunday morning, the 14th of July, we had two police turn up at the house and knock on the door and, you know, say to mum and dad, I need to come in and can you please sit down? Mm. And it was literally like one of those scenes you see in Hollywood. Mm. Um, and it was just, you know, when they said, you know, there's been an accident and James has been involved, it's like if I could describe what it feels like for the world to stop and then to the shatter mm. into a million pieces is pretty much what it felt like. Yeah. But we then had to get in the car to police car to drive to Box Hill Hospital to identify James's body and it was very much me sitting in the middle of the police car holding mum and dad's hand. Mm. And I think there was always a part of me when I was a little girl and I was three having this vision of just leaving my body and just sort of floating around. I've always felt like I'm here to be in service of others mm. and that's very much the core of my, my being, very much why originally my dream was to be when I was a little girl to be a nurse, mm-hmm. to care for others. I used to dress up as a nurse's little outfit. Yeah. Um, and that's why I actually feel like I've actually been guided. These premonitions or these experiences of, you know, death in the family or uh, I actually think that have always been the universe trying to let me have faith and the sense that there's greater forces at play here Yeah. and to go with it. Mm. And it can... Uh, you know, losing, going through the experience of, of James has probably been the greatest teacher in my life because um, at 33 to, to now be writing a book called The Golden Thread, mm-hmm. which is my gift back to all the kids and even to adults. That's and de- dedicated to James, obviously. Yep. Yeah. Dedicated to James and to my students. Mm-hmm. Do you want to give us an out- outline while we're yeah, there? Yeah, on... because this, uh, it was a little girl called Izzy two years ago um, and a conversation I had with her. Are you allowed which... to say this about her? And Yep. She'll, yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I won't say her last name, okay, but just yeah. say Izzy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, she was one of my grade one students and she was missing her grandma. Mm-hmm. And I've definitely, in my seven years of teaching, picked up that there are, a, there are more kids suffering anxiety and stress in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Um, and she came to me one day and she said, oh, Miss D, I'm really missing my grandma. And I'd heard of um, the idea came to me having um, participated in their Vipassana, 10-day silent retreat. Mm-hmm. And at the end of Vipassana, they teach you a meta meditation, which is where once... Loving kindness. Yep. So mm-hmm. after you've done your meditation, when you're feeling really relaxed... That's the time we do a loving kindness meditation because you're in that state. Mm-hmm. You then imagine someone's face mm-hmm. uh, you love, then you send them love, and that they will receive that. And then, oh, sorry, I think you start with yourself, send love to yourself, someone you love, send love to them, and then the world. Mm-hmm. So it's basically radiating love from self to other to world. Yeah. And then, um, so it was that understanding. And then all of a sudden being hit with this, oh, uh, the idea of the golden thread. Hmm. So I said to this little girl, Izzy, have you heard of the golden thread? Yeah. She looked at me and she's like, what do you mean? I said, well, a golden thread exists between people who love each other. Hmm. And it can't be cut, can't be broken, can't Hmm. be lost. And even though you can't see them, it's still there. Hmm. And her little, I'll never forget, her eyes just widened and she's like, so what do I do? And I said, well, when you go to go home tonight, just close your eyes, imagine your grandma's face, imagine this thread of gold light between the two of you, just send her love. Mm. 
Mm. And she didn't know that you love her. Now, her grandma was still alive, but I uh, was living interstate. Yeah. And she was just really missing her. And for kids, they're like us. Mm. You know, when we miss someone, that experience of the emotion, they're, they're feeling exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and her mum two weeks came And probably more so because there's confusion and, and, yep, and fear. Yep, very much and, so, and yes. stuff like that, yep. yeah. Um, and her mum came to me two weeks later and said, what, did you, what have you done with Izzy? And I said, oh, what do you mean? She's a brand new girl. Mm. She's just so much happier. Mm. Just getting back into life again, not looking so anxious and confused. And that's when I just thought, right, yeah. this needs to be out there. Mm. Um, so... It was through my direct experience of losing James mm. that I've realised, and one of my favourite quotes from Maharishi is that um, love is more powerful than electricity. Yeah. And that it is. Mm. And there are times where uh, I was, and this was maybe five years ago, I'd hired a car in New Zealand, in Auckland. Yep. And one of James's favourite bands was Pearl Jam. Mm. And I hired a car in Auckland, and when I picked it up, opened the glove box and there was the exact same favourite Pearl Jam album in the glove box. (laughs) And I just had a good cackle to myself and said, all right, Jimmy, let's crank some tunes. Yeah, yeah. And for the three hours drive from Mm. Auckland up to the North Coast, just cranking out Pearl Jam and just laughing, Mm. just knowing that, you know, we, we think that this material world of what we can see, taste, touch and feel mm. is the only reality, yet there are other so many divine messages or... Factors at play. 100%. Yeah. This make you think, whoa, what's going on here? And it's actually okay. Yeah. It's very, yeah. Good. It's very good. And so you've you've written the book? Written the book. And it's been sent to the editors and sent back and sent to the editors it's and sent back. It's been probably one of the most um, challenging uh, experiences to go through, mm-hmm. particularly because the golden thread is about a little girl called Rosie. Mm-hmm. It does lose her brother. So it's um, very personal. It's actually been quite cathartic for me to go through. Mm-hmm. And I actually had a real sort of freak out a couple of weeks ago because I thought, oh, my gosh, I'm putting this little story about this girl out into a book which is going to go out into the world. What if people don't like it? What if they don't get the message? Yeah. And then um, my publisher gave me a big kick up the bum and just said, no, hang on, believe in yourself and just know that you're doing this so that other kids uh, who are experiencing what you experienced, Mm. um, you know, can hopefully find comfort. Yeah. And it's Um, a framework to work with as well at a younger age. Yes, yes. So it's building it into the kind of foundation of like the connectedness. Is, and that loving, is I think, uh, Buddhist, loving yeah. kindness meditation is mm. a Buddhist practice, isn't it? Yeah. Metta, yeah. Yeah, 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 that's mm. right. Meta. So, and having that strategy there as well to help kids um, shift and transcend their emotions with the underlying message where all love mm. is probably being the greatest message of that story. Yeah. So hopefully it's going to appeal to lots of different cultures as well. Super cool. When's it getting, who's illustrating it? The most divine illustrator called Laura McKellar. Yes. Who was one of the graphic designers for my cousin's business, Mozzie. So I'm actually thrilled. Is over that Sky the moon. Tiger? Sky Tiger. Yeah. Her business, Mo- her business. No, this is okay. her, her, Sky's other sisters. Okay. Olivia and Camilla. Okay. Yep. So she worked for their business. 
Yes, okay. Laura used to work with their business. That was confusing. Forget all that. So who, who's, who's the illustrator? <laughs> so Laura McKellar, she's okay. a Melbourne girl. She was a graphic designer mm-hmm. um, and this is her first book. Yep. So both Laura and I are quite nervous together. Don't be nervous. It's going to be awesome. Yep. We're... <laughs> Thanks, Dan. <laughs> and thank you for your support because no it's props. been a um, – to have raised over $5,500 from mm-hmm. family and friends um, to help go support towards publishing it has been such a big boost of confident confidence. Mm. So, um, so you've, sorry, sorry to interrupt there, but um, you've sent it off and is the drawings all done as well? Or they no, so, they, so they're, they're, there's been five edit, edits mm-hmm. um, and that the final one's been locked in. And then over the next couple of weeks, uh, Laura and I and the publisher will need to do the design illustration brief and then from then it's probably going to take three or four months for Laura to illustrate um, and then we'll need to get it printed, published and hopefully book launch Feb, March. 2019? 18. 18. Well, that's, that's very quick. Yeah. So we're, very we're in November. Yeah. September, January, February. Yeah. March. Cool. Very three soon. Three or four months. Awesome. Yay for you. And um, yeah. So that's good. Yeah, amazing. Um, and you need you need more money. Yes. Okay. Spiritual trading fans come to the party. Um, <laughs> where, how do you, how do we get in touch with this? Um, I can put the GoFundMe link. Yes, you on can. Spiritual trading. Mm-hmm. That would be amazing. All right, cool. Let's yeah. do that. I'll put it on the post for this podcast, and we'll see if we can get the extra dollars we need to get this beautiful book into the hands of all of the children in the world. Oh, thank you, Dan. How many kids are in the world? A couple of billion? A couple of billion. We'll print some books. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. Yay. And what else is happening? Anything else is happening that we want to talk about before we... No, we've got to shut it down. We're going to yeah, have to no, end I think there's a, lot of, there's a lot in that. It's yeah. In, yeah. Okay. Yep. Thank you very much for opening up with all that stories and vulnerability. My pleasure. And sharing. Yeah, and that's why I'm here. Best of luck with the book. Thank you. And I'll, we would talk for longer. I'll see but you at the book launch. Yes, I'll be there. And But we, I'll talk for longer about our, our ties on the way. Oh, our ties <laughs> on the go way. And get go and get it from outside. So once again, thank you very much. And thank you for, for all your support as well.